As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sign up Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, The Mavs are ass, but did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that is not in crisis right now. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. We've got Dave DeFore. We've got Austin Guria. We're going to talk about the Mavericks 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They've lost four straight. They have the fourth worst offense in the past 10 games. Things are not going good right now, and there's a lot of symptoms. I, I don't know. In fact, I'm going to say it right now. We will not be able to identify the root cause of everything that's going on right now. There may not be one per se, but we're going to kind of talk about a lot of the different ailments and symptoms that we're seeing right now. Uh, especially as they relate to the past three games, losses to Boston, Toronto, and um, Milwaukee. All three losses that in some ways were expected to happen. The Toronto one, the least of the three, but losses that really showcase how things are just not going great. This doesn't look like the team that was so much fun last season. Fun to talk about, fun to watch, you know, just just fun to to be around. The vibes are not immaculate. Let's do vibe check. Because we love doing that. Austin, how are you feeling about where this team is right now? It's in a, it's in a, it's in a bad place right now. It's, it's, I think they're in a, a pretty bad funk. The, sh- the shooting is really just making, it's exacerbating everything else. If they can get the shooting right, I think it can kind of be a tie that lifts all boats. But they have multiple, uh, multiple things they're trying to figure out. The Christian Wood thing, it's weird. It's clear that kid just doesn't like him. <laughs> And the defense has been admirable, but it's it's also it's slipping because of the lineups they're trying to run and trying to figure out the offense. And then, I mean, Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway are performing as the two worst shooters in basketball. So that's not going to take them anywhere as, as far as we go. So I don't actually think their shooting is the problem, but let's get to, the, get to that in a second. Dave, will Kimball Walker solve 
all of the problems that the Mavericks have right now. I don't I mean, <laughs> they didn't think so two months ago when they when they could have signed him. Um, this it feels desperate. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, he's pretty good catch and shoot guy. Can he give you more than 15 minutes a game without needing to sit out four or five games at a time? I mean, this this is the big issue with Kemba is he can't stay healthy. And their defense isn't really setting the world on fire. So can you make, you know, will he add enough on the offensive end to make up for what he's going to give up on the defensive end? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm dubious of Kemba as the, the bandage that's going to, you know, cover the gaping wound that is the the problems with this team. I, I just, um, you know, I'm skeptical to say the least. Dave, Dave, is your read as an outsider, someone who doesn't watch, you know, watches most, most Mavs games, but, yeah. you know, you're a national pundit. Mm-hmm. Is your read on the team or, or is your impression also that they are just not shooting? They're just not making threes? I'm, that's part of it. And it, it's funny because, you know, when you look at some of their indicators, you know, and you're right, I don't see every single Mavericks game. It's just impossible with my schedule. But what I like to do is I look at some of the indicators and it will point me to the problem. So when I am watching the film, if I go on Synergy, I can I can say, oh, okay, there's an issue. Well, this team doesn't really – they don't turn the ball over an excessive amount. Um, I think that they mostly are shooting okay. They're at least middle of the pack for the season. And here recently they're shooting I, – I believe they're kind of middle of the pack, true shooting percentage-wise. So, no, it, it doesn't – that's not glaring, but no one creates an advantage on this team. So, like, some of the shots are just not good looks, right? And it's not necessarily threes. A lot of it is guys got run off the three-point line into something that's not great or a shot that they can't hit. So, I don't know. The shooting is a problem because it's not lights out, and, and that's sort of what they need because nobody else can make – like, they can't create anything except for Luca. I, I think that's exactly it. And a lot of a lot of these stats I'm about to mention are are going to be in an article uh, Tuesday morning on the Athletic. Oh, who who's writing that? It's going to be me. Oh, oh, yeah, just yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, you just said an article, um, so I, that's true. That's true. Maybe you got an yeah, advanced I guess, copy. I, guess I gotta gotta specify. So the Mavericks are shooting just about as well as they did last season on all of the role player three point looks, all all of the catch and shoots, all of the wide open threes. Um, you know. Last year, they took 19.7 wide open threes per game. This season, 19.8. They're shooting, you know, last season they shot 39% on those. This season, they're shooting 38% on those. Uh, it's, it's not a last 10 games thing either. Uh, you know, they're actually taking more wide open threes in the past 10 games than they did the first 10 games. And they're shooting a, you know, percentile uh, difference better. But, you know, they're hitting them about the same rate. Uh, the same goes for catch and shoot looks. It's very similar. Um, you know, the the attempts and the percentages are are pretty you know pretty much lining up. They're about the same. Did you know the Mavericks are the league leader in corner three point shooter in corner three point shots? You know, that's wow. an indicator of good quality looks, right? That's right. And they're not shooting like worse than the league at it. They're they're not best in the league, but they're I believe eleventh. These are all good numbers. To me. Is, is exactly what you said, where all, all of these indicators around the edges do point to this team being good. And I, I do think that Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. specifically have really amplified the idea that the Mavericks are shooting poorly. There is no question that those two players 
are shooting poorly. But I think if you look overall at this team, that they've also had some overperformances from players like Josh Green, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, even Christian Wood, that has kind of offset this to a degree. And so if the team is shooting about the same as they have been on threes and all of the important metrics as they did last season, if, if it's the same thing, what is different? And what is different is that this team, unlike last season, gets no two-point shots. It's not just at the rim. They do not have mid-range jumpers that they, you know, they they take the lowest share of two-point attempts of any team in the league, and they've lost that little edge they had of just, you know, pretty efficient uh, mid-range shots from Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, Luca's taking, you know, he's taking more post-ups, but he's, he's not really taking mid-range jumpers in the way he did last season. And they aren't getting anything else at the rim. And I think you've seen that. You've, this is why teams have doubled him so aggressively. Because they can live with a above-average but not great three-point shooting team behaving like they're the best three-point shooting team in the league. You know, if you just look like the attempts. I'm not saying that it's like hubris or anything. Basically, you know, I think the problem comes down to the fact that none of these players can actually generate two-point attempts. And so they're left with you know, a bunch of above average, but not great three point shooters taking a bunch of threes. And that's a math problem for this team. So that was a little bit of a diatribe, you know, a little, little monologue. I'll let you guys react to that. But that is, as I've really poured over the, number, uh, the numbers today on a Monday, I, I think that if you were to diagnose what's wrong with the Mavericks offense right now, it's the fact that they are falling back on only shooting threes in a way that is making them so dependent on it that when they fail, it feels like it's because of that. But really, it's just the shots that is the only shots they can generate. And there's also there's another thing. Yeah. Offensive rebounding is non-existent for the Mavericks. And so the league has shifted. The The Doc Rivers just kill transition at the cost of crashing the glass. That stuff is over. This is why two big lineups are are back. Because offensive rebounding matters. Toronto is the best offensive rebounding team in the league right now. And the Dallas Mavericks are the 29th. So styles make fights. You know what I mean? So if we're going and just thinking about that game that they should have won, part of it was is activity. You know, it just that's something that stands out to me about the Mavericks. They don't seem as active. They don't seem as active as they did last year when they were all flying all over the place on both ends. They, more, they don't get offensive rebounds, and they don't get fast breaks, and that eliminates the most efficient way to get buckets. So you, you and me, Austin, we've talked about this all the time, how Luka is not the best transition player. Clearly, it's not in his DNA to push the ball. And then on top of that, like they're just not that efficient. They they have only one style of play, and their their gimmick is basically, we're going to make this a very low possession game. We're going to shoot the the most, I think they have the second highest three-point rate in the league. So we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. We're going to get up 40 threes a game. And then we're going to limit you, the other team, from shooting many threes. And they're going to win the math game. And right now, they, they can only win games by winning the math game. And they need all of their shooters to be shooting above or at least at their career levels. So even if they're shooting like overall well, they need all of their guys to shoot well. Especially the guys that they played on the stretch, Bullock and Hardaway and, and Dorian for some extent. But they don't have another, they don't have a counter. They don't have, they can't generate two-point shots. They can't get, create more two-point shots. That's the, all the stats you listed off are 100% correct, but I don't see a way for them to generate more two-point shots. They don't really have the personnel on this roster. They didn't fill in that Brunson slot. 
So really the only way they can improve is by doubling down on what they have and hoping that they that some of their guys can get right from behind the three-point line. I mean, is there any chance that Kimba Walker comes in and in, in a t- 10 to 20 minute role, you know, ignoring his defensive output, which he is not good on that end. He wasn't good with the Knicks. It's essentially why he got exiled. But is there any chance that just him, you know, getting into the lane more often, having one more shot creator, ball handler, again, not, not a shot creator to generate more open threes, but just somebody who can, you know, get to a mid range shot who can, you know, collapse the defense in a way that allows more scramble offensive sequences that just, you know, maybe Dorian Finney-Smith is popping up the rim a little bit more often due to the gravity of Kimball Walker with the ball on the weak side when Luka passes to him. I don't think he'll do that as much in the half court, but I think one thing he will do is push the pace in transition and allow them to have a few more transition and a few more early offense opportunities. I, I don't think at this point in his career, he's a guy who can consistently get paint touches and be efficient in the paint. He might be able to generate shots for other guys, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who's finishing in the paint very often. But I think he plays with a quicker pace and he can allow them to get into early offense against some easier baskets so they're not just completely reliant on catch and shoot threes. Well, yeah, any yeah. anyone that they bring in is going to play at a faster pace than they do right now. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. Just natural basketball motion is going to make you go faster than they go right now. I, I just – I don't know, man. I, when was the last time a guy like this worked out? And I don't mean a guy like Kemba necessarily because Kemba had a pretty good career. But when was the last time they signed – you know, a team signed a, a veteran free agent a quarter of the way through the season off the scrap heap and – they actually contributed. I I can't really think of any. And, and so, you know, it's seems to me if Kemba could contribute to winning, he would have already made a team somewhere. And this feels like grasping his straws. I mean, it is. Yep. And the state of the team where it is right now is, is, you know, we're at straw grasping. Why right is now, this, to, this to an the extent. straw to grasp? I mean, listen, they, they could potentially, I mean, I, I don't. The Bulls are not really having a great season. Maybe kick the tires on a Drogic trade that you could have signed him during the summer. If you want to go back and revisit things that from a couple months ago, which Kemba was a couple months ago, I, I just um, I don't know. I'm dubious. I, I just I think the fit is is iffy. If he can get into the paint this season, he'd be doing something that really, like like Austin said, it what is it? Two years? We're two years removed, maybe from him being able to like get to his spot there. So I don't know. I think it just has to come from within. They need some internal improvement. I, I don't know who the guy is though. Get your agenda off Austin. Now's the time. <laughs> I mean, they, they do employ the league leading G league score on their roster. I mean, he, he can play basketball. Shohei Otani, right? <laughs> People have been saying it more and more. I mean, at, you, you got to watch out for Hardy's, uh, uh, you know, split finger fastball, man. He's a split finger fastball and he can hit opposite field home runs. He's a, a true five tool player. But I mean, at this point, he is one of the players on the roster that can generate a shot for themselves and and generate pretty easily. It's, it doesn't mean that they need to play him 20 minutes a game, but I think this would be a time Why to start finding not? spots. Why not? Honestly, it can't be worse than what you're getting now. It really can't be worse than Hardaway has been atrocious. This is the worst stretch I think of his entire career. He's been really, really. It I, should I be feel- expected, by the way. He's coming back. I mean, this is like this is how this works. 
Yeah. He's got he, another three months of being just complete ass, and then he'll be better. Get the right. confidence yeah, is coming there. His confidence come. You can see it now, like when he shoots open shots, he's really thinking about it. He's kind of in his head now because he's even like stuff that's just like open jumper, he just can't hit anymore. But I mean, I think at some point they'll they'll have to give Hardy a look. He's a ball handler. He clearly has talent. He's he's done what's been asked of him, which is go to the G League and dominate and show that you're too good to be in the G League. And they don't really have a lot of other options. He scored 41 the other night. He scored 41 the other night. He's averaging like 29 on like 50, 40, 90. I think he's he's proven that he doesn't belong down there. I mean, look, if you're bringing in Kemba Walker, you might as well try the guy that's already in the gym. Yeah, him and Kemba Walker might be equivalent players at this point. (laughs) Yeah, different ones. I mean, rookies do make mistakes that don't show up on box scores. Somebody tweeted that. I think Josh Bowe. you know, which is a good way of kind of saying why there is, you know, a lot of coaches understandably have distrust in in rookies. I, we're definitely getting into a point where it, it does feel like they have to have to try that, you know, have to have to call them up. But there, there's steps that they can take in the meantime. They, you know, for the first time, they actually, you know, they started the second half against Milwaukee with Christian Wood uh, in the starting five. And I don't know why it took 19 games to get to this moment, but it, it you know, he is somebody who has two point shot creation, you know, capabilities. He can he can operate within, you know, within the three point line and he can create his own shot in a way that, you know, they don't have elsewhere on the on the roster. And especially as the Mavericks, you know, more and more teams that the Mavericks play are just taking away Luca's role, man. They're they're saying, you know, we're gonna single you you know and and send help very sparingly or we're going to double team you and we're going to get the ball out of your hands but we're not going to let you roll through the lane and you know lob it up to Dwight Powell uh you know we're not going to let you live in that five to ten foot range where you know his touch is just so good that so often he's hitting these floaters these runners and as they've taken away from this and he's still having an MVP season regardless of that but as they've taken that away, you know, you've seen the static, the staticness, the, you know, the lack of kineticism in, in this Mavericks Aust- uh, op- offense, not Austin, uh, this Mavericks offense really show up. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's, it's such a, it's such a slog. Like it's, it, it feels both predictable, but also it didn't feel like it was going to be this bad. And I, I do think that this, these past 10 games, the three and seven record in the past 10 I think it's a little bit worse than what this team actually is. I would be very surprised if they're, you know, not within the top eight. If they just play the season out with a few more tweaks and, you know, some positive regression, even if it's kind of balanced out by negative regression from players who are shooting really well, I do think this team is still good. I, I think that Lucas still gives them that baseline. But the way that teams have schemed and played against Luca and how what he's doing feels in spite of his teammates rather than, you know, what it should, which is uh, fun and enjoyable. And like, you know, he's a generational player. I I think that's like the worst possible outcome to this season is the idea that Luca feels, you know, whether he feels it or not, the feeling that Luca is up against everybody else, even his teammates at times. And that, you know, he's still making the right basketball reads, but you know, is he losing some trust in them? I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I'll, I'll, you know, maybe Austin, you have some perception of this. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to go that far, but the maxi it, play stands it, out, right? 
Right, right, yeah. right. For yeah, the team to do that to to lose to Toronto is just the symbolism, right? It's it's it was it was so symbolic of everything that has been going wrong. And I, I think Luca's body language has been a little more noticeable recently than usually in the past. Usually, he's honestly the narrative about him not trusting his teammates has been pretty false. He's always pumped up his teammates. Is always willing to give the extra pass. I've never thought that he was a guy who didn't trust his teammates, but honestly, recently. He looks like he's lost a little faith in his guys who were who were shooting. I remember specifically in the <laughs> in the Bucks game. I think Hardaway tried to kick, throw a kickout pass to somebody, and Giannis stole it and got a dunk. And as Giannis is like running down the, the court, about to dunk it, you can see Luca in the background, and his like hands are just on his knees, and he just looks like completely dejected. And I think when when you start to miss so many shots, and you're and the offensive burden is so high on you, I mean, I I get why he would lose a little bit of faith. But I think if they can just get a few get-right games, they haven't had a normal win in a very long time. Just a nice, safe, double-digit win. I think they just they need a couple good wins to kind of reverse course for this team. They need a vibes guy. <laughs> they they need a, a vibes, vibes guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. They need a vibes guy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply there's there's no moments where down the stretch Luca is giving the ball to Jalen Brunson or another teammate you know like early last season against San Antonio that's the type of trust if he's losing trust it's that type of trust he's still always going to make the right basketball play he's going to kick to an open shooter because he is a basketball savant who knows what he to do on the court he trusts himself and but in 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 turn he will continue trusting you know, himself to make the right decision to his teammates, even if the shots are missed. And again, it feels like the shots are missing at an extremely high rate because of 
you know, two specific players who are in horrendous slumps. They're really not. It's going, high profile miss, right? Like it's, it's high, high profile, profile misses. Miss. And because the offense hinges so much on these three pointers, because they don't generate good shots inside the arc. Yeah. It, it it's put, well, you know, it's this adding is more low stakes key. to it. Well, if, yeah. when you play a slow pace, right? Each possession has more weight, more value. So every miss is an exponentially, you know, greater miss because you're playing such a slow pace and they play the slowest pace in the league. They have the fewest shots in the league, right? They're, we The last 10 games, like I said, they're second to last in offensive rebounding. And for the season, they're pretty low. Um, that's just not a part of their game plan. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why, why this is happening, but each of those misses just feels a little bit heavier because of that. And think about it. Like when you are, when you have a pace this slow, when you play this slowly, what you're doing is, and you don't turn it over specifically, what you're doing is you're maximizing the chance to score on any given possession, but you're also giving up transition and offensive rebounds. You're giving up easy ways to make up for some sloppiness. And so, yes, on any given half-court possession, they have a better chance of hitting a shot, getting points, than any other team in the league. I believe they're second in half-court offense. But what they're giving up on the other end is these quick, easy points that like barely even like they barely even register. Like the team, like a team the can be playing That's bad. Where you win the like game. It, that, yeah, a team can have three or four bad half-court possessions in a row, but because they got an offensive rebound putback and because they got a quick run out, it's not catastrophic. And if the Mavericks have four fast, you know, four half-court failures in a row, even if they generate good looks, but the good look is a 33% shooter taking a three from, you know, the the wing, that's like that that adds up so much quicker because of you know what another team can do to them, right? And and that's that probably sense. why that, yeah. Josh Green's net rating or offensive rating is so high, is because he's the only player on the roster that both creates offensive rebounds and creates points in transition. He he's the only player that really consistently gets those points on the margins and gets those extra possessions and get those easy baskets. None of the other players really create that on their own. They have to have that created for them. And so they, they just they need to find other ways. If they're not going to be able to hit shots at the rate they want to hit shots, they have to find other ways to to generate offense. Right. Yeah, we've we focus on offense. I, I felt like, you know, I feel like it was the right thing to do because the Mavericks signing was clearly offensive focused. If you sign Kimba Walker, it's an admission that something about the offense is not working. You're not bringing him in to play defense. Maybe maybe vibes. I, I, I think that's actually an, an interesting thing if you know, kind of a heady veteran who's been around, who has name recognition can, you know, kind of boost where, you know, the vibes have been, you know, the, at least the, the, the feel is that they're, they're flagging a little bit, but offense. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the focus, but I feel like we could have spent the past 24 minutes talking about how the defense just doesn't look as sharp. We could have spent 24 minutes talking about Jason Kidd and Christian Wood and Josh Green. And we've done that a lot, and I'm so tired of it, you know, unless you guys want to, like, spend It's so five confusing, I don't know if I've got 20 minutes that, in me. I, yeah. I'm just not... Yeah. yeah, I feel like I would have to be in the locker room to really... Like, it's weird. There's definitely something going on, but I have I'll no I'll just wait for the story on. on The Athletic in a couple years when it comes out. In a couple years? That's a, a slow reporting that's a, from Tim. 
Nah, that's that's nothing. I, I don't think it's like that. <laughs> no, you know, no. it's it's funny. I'm I, kidding, I, I I'm actually I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. You know, like I, I, I keep seeing people tweeting at me or being like only Tim Cato can, you know, drop the story that that fixes this season. I don't think I have not heard. I don't think there's any indication anything is as bad as it was, it, yeah. you know, last summer. And I don't think that you should expect that. That said, I do think at some point in the coming weeks, if things continue the way they are, it's not it's not uncovering what's happening, but it's it's more of an honest look back at Jason Kidd as a head coach. Things within his track record that are proven and known about how he manages teams that we I don't want to say glossed over, but we didn't have to visit those things last season because it was mostly good. And now that it's not, and now that things are kind of indicating, you know, back to prior uh, Jason Kidd year two, man. Jason Kidd yeah. year two. That's all you got to say. Jason Kidd year but, two. But but the thing is, though, a, I, yeah. I, I'm going to – it's so early still. It's right. still early. And I still – I do think that the Christian Wood thing is going to work itself out. He's too good. He's too talented, and the offense really needs him. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a two-point creator, you know, guy who can get his own layups uh, and occasionally some jumpers. There's that massive gaping hole in this offense, and he's not a one-to-one for Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson should not have been the one Jenga block holding together this, you know, this wasn't a wobbly tower, and that one Jenga block getting pulled out should not have made this collapse like this. I think this team is better than what they've played, but I think that they have to do something. They have to change. They have to do something to get out of this rut. And it is clear, even with that potential turnaround coming, uh, which I, I still think will happen, I think that their ceiling is clearly lower than last season. And I think that, you know, everything we've said about transition year remains even more true than it was before. The main thing is making sure it doesn't feel like Luca, you know, isn't having fun, isn't enjoying himself, isn't, you know... Uh, feeling like his teammates, you know, feeling like he's doing all the work, feeling like he's the only one in the group project that, you know, is participating. You can't have an entire season where your best player, who's the future of your franchise, you're going to have to try to resign in a few years, uh, who you still haven't made the contending, you know, trade swing that I'm sure will be coming in the next couple of years. You can't have him, you know, struggling like this for a whole year. It's It's going to make everything not fun and... You know, look, I I have no clue, but you know, you have to maximize the ability that he feels like this is the you know, the franchise that's home for him. And I think a season as bad feeling as this one has been, you know, even if the record is only nine and ten, even if it could turn around in the next few games, I, I think this is, you know, just absolutely the wrong place and, and the wrong, you know, time for, you know, them to be playing like this. So that's about all I got. Closing remarks, comments, thoughts, theories. I, th- I, think I, I hope Kemba is good. Yeah. Maybe maybe there'll be one fun Kemba game. Maybe I mean, that's, that's Kemba, all it'll take. One of the most fun players of my life when Ke- like when he's got it going. I mean, I always I hate to go back to college, but, you know, oh, his UConn whole run. Game. Yeah, man. Was, it's, so, he's fun. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping he's healthy and and good. Not just healthy, but healthy and good. I'd like to see a fun, you know, rest of the season from Kemba. And if he can just, you know, 
If he can hit a couple threes a game, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. It would help. It would help. Well, we'll see soon enough when Kimba's not sure he's going to be on the floor Tuesday night. He might be. I'm not sure how quick this is going to turn around. Still not official, but we're recording Monday night. I would assume Tuesday morning it's finalized. And uh, that's when you're going to be listening to this. So thanks for doing that. And we'll see you next week. Or later this week, actually. See ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!